Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is not the sideshow. This is not the undercard. No, this is still the main event. My name is Ryan Baldwin. With me, as always, my right-hand man sitting on my left-hand side, Mason Shepard. Glad to be back, man. Glad oh, man, back. it is so good to be back. Yep. It has been far too long. December 1st was our last uploaded episode. Yep, I know you event. all missed us. And since it has been nearly two months since our last episode, we are going to do a special extended episode for KNTU and Spotify. We're just going to loop it all together. Yep. And have a grand old time. Mason, it's good to see you again. It's been far too long. Yeah. I missed our our sports talk. My wife just doesn't sports talk as good as you do. <laughs> she doesn't care nearly as much as you do. So she's like you know what? I don't I don't I don't want to talk about it. You know, the fortunate thing is I have a father to where I can do this anytime, anywhere. So yeah. <laughs> it lucked out there. Let's dive right in because bef- when we left off, yeah, it was not even bowl season quite yet. We were still yeah, no, uh, we were still, early December. Yeah, and we I think we had we were in conference championship week coming up. Yeah, conference championship week. Yeah, and so I believe we correctly predicted that based on our outcomes, the top four we had kind of yes. had it narrowed down. Um, we said if Michigan won, they were going to jump up. If Bama won, they would jump up, and that yeah. would move Cincinnati in. Yep. And sure enough, Bama won, Michigan two, uh, Georgia three, Cincinnati four. four. Yeah. And then I would just like to personally thank Cincinnati for proving <laughs> us right Pretty much, in their yeah. game with Alabama after <laughs> we said, hey, guys, Cincinnati is a group of five school, yep. and they are not ready for what a power five school, especially Alabama, will do to them. No, no, I think we, I mean, I, personally, um, with, with Cincinnati and the way that beating went down, I think that's one of those things where it's like, no one can be like, oh my, you're not going to have the home alone moment. I just think it's just like, who... Who didn't see that coming? I, I I told my dad when I was when we were sitting at home watching this, I was like the only people rooting for Cincinnati are people who go to that school, and even then they may have been wearing crimson red. So I I think that there is a lot of group of five like fans from like group of five conferences and schools that are like, oh, this is our chance to show that we belong yeah, in the top yeah. four, and I, I think they actually thought that because they had beaten Notre Dame. That they would be ready for no. an SEC power house like Alabama. No. And Bama was like, son, sit down. <laughs> I'm going to show you how to play football. I mean, you know, that's the thing. I wouldn't even put them as related to Bama's calling them son. That's like that's like the neighbor's kid who's like five houses. <laughs> who broke your window. Who broke your window. That's like the neighbor's kid like five houses down. Like, come on. Okay. First of all, I mean, one thing we do have to give Cincinnati. Um, well, well, Ryan won't because he's still like they didn't play anybody, which is a fair point. Besides Notre Dame, at least that they got there, which, in my opinion, if you're a Group Five school, is statement enough. Because if you thought you were going to go any further than that, then I think okay, you're getting into delusion. I, I think the only thing is like, do we genuinely think that they were the number four school in the nation based off of that? Like, are they going to beat Michigan or Georgia? Or even the people that ended up behind them, Oklahoma State, Baylor, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, they beat Notre Dame, but Ohio State. Like, uh, like maybe they have a chance against like Michigan and Ohio State. But obviously, Georgia showed that they were 
just as good, if not better, than Alabama. Clearly. And if you think that Cincinnati was had even a chance, even if they had moved up or down, no, they had no chance. No. Even if they had somehow, on a miracle, beat Alabama, Georgia was going to come in and whip them too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, But that's what I'm saying, man. I think Group 5 schools kind of have to take Cincinnati getting there as – this is okay because they kind of showed this is how you get there. Build your record up on these. Um, I can't say that word because <laughs> it, it diminishes. But build these. Build, build your record up on these lesser than teams, and you know have a good and win. have a, have, have, a, have a, a good, good win. win. The problem is though is that a lot of these group of five schools, the win that they would need, are going to come against teams that are going to soundly beat them. Right? Yes. Like Cincinnati is not going to go schedule Georgia or Bama no. or Ohio State or Michigan no. on their offseason, you know, or, or even if they like it, it may maybe it's not Cincy because Cincy is about to graduate a whole bunch of people. I'm not sure yeah. that they're going to be a top contending team afterwards. But like, I don't know what a what other group of five like SMU. Yeah. If SMU tries is going to try and do the Cincy and schedule Alabama or Georgia. I'm sorry, SMU. No. But barring a miracle. You're not going to beat them, and even if you do, it's yeah. a tall order to then go undefeated the rest of the way through. Yeah, there's a reason that it's Group of Five versus Power or, and Power Five, and even then, I would argue right now that Bama and Georgia—I don't know about the rest of the SEC per se—but mm. Bama and Georgia are their own elite two conference. No, I like would they agree are with that, a yeah. step above everybody, which is baffling because I didn't even know that. I didn't even think it was possible for two for two teams to be so head and shoulders above everybody else. Well, I think um, you know, growing up as you growing up, that was Florida and LSU. You know, they were the ones that were up here above everybody. Georgia, but and now the roles reverse because Georgia would sometimes peek through Bama. Really, Bama stayed in the middle until Saban got there, obviously, and then. But you know, it was Georgia and L- it was it was Florida and LSU, and you would occasionally get your Auburns. And then you would get your um your Georgias. And then when Saban came and you know they won that game against Texas, which hurts, and they only won because Colt McCoy wasn't in it. Um after that it was Bama, Bama, Bama again. And then Georgia got, you know, because here's the thing about Georgia. I think Georgia, like, you know, Michigan, was suffering from little brother syndrome in that, okay, you're good. You're 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 really good, but you're not going to be better than me. Your big brother Bama. You're never going to beat me. And for a long time, that's what it was. Georgia would be on fire. They would be great, and then Bama would beat them. And this time, when the game really mattered, it wasn't just for the S title of best you know team in the SEC. Georgia beat Bama, and I think that was something that they, that the program needed. And I think Kirby Smart's a really good coach, and I think that. You know, congrats to the Bulldogs, and I can say for for once, and I'm not saying that those other times they didn't earn it, but I really say Georgia earned this because they um, they lost to Bama in the SEC uh, conference championship, and everybody started doubting them. Everybody was like, "Oh, Bama's still reigning supreme." You know, Bama's going to win it again, and, and and this is the thing: I make fun of Bama a lot of the time. For playing you know, like softballs in the season, like everybody will be playing a conference rival. Bama will be playing, you know, Hostfa or whatever, you know. And you know, but when Bama has a good enough team to where okay, we we played a, a sucker because they wanted the rub and they wanted money, and now we're gonna play these big schools and whip them too. 
it's like okay, Bama's for real. And I just but I'm I'm happy that Georgia pulled this one out because watching Alabama hoist up a national championship <laughs> trophy is oh, yeah. like listening to a Tom Brady documentary. You already know everything by then. I uh I do think the game was actually now that we're on to Georgia Bama, I do think the game was actually closer than the 33-18 it ended up being. Obviously yeah. the last like 7 points came off of a pick 6 and it, yes. you know before that it was still 26 to 18, so it's still yeah, a close it was still game. anybody's game, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think Georgia earned this one. Um, they came in with a game plan this time, and they came in going, you know, we got embarrassed last time, and they came out with a chip on their shoulder, and they performed and they earned it against a very good Bama team. Now, the real question is because I saw this one, uh, this article on ESPN, they've got the way too early, uh, Top twenty-five for the following season. Yeah, and uh, Bama, of course, is still number one, um, just because like they've only got six offensive starters, seven defensive starters, and they're still predicting to be number one because it's Bama, and they just like five offensive offensive starters leave, and five more like NFL caliber players are ready to go. Yeah, well, I, because okay, this is something I realized. Um, Bama does not create football players. They create machines because you just don't see that level of productivity where, okay, okay, the the seniors are left. Okay, it's you you guys' turn. Okay, we're doing well. And I think the one thing that's going to set Bama apart, Bryce Young, that kid is phenomenal. And what I like about Bryce Young is that you can see it in his face he doesn't get rattled by anything. No. Like, he's like, okay, that drive failed. I'm going to move. It's like, it, it's almost an apathetic look. Even when a drive fails, it's like, okay, and now we're going to move on. And he's just, he's very, he's very slippery. I, I compare him to Russell Wilson, really. That ability to move out of the pocket and run when you need to get a first down. And, and you're fast enough to where if you want to blow by somebody, you can. But also, like, Russell, nice arm and, and very accurate. Yep. And I think that. He will be a part of the Bama redemption story, you know, because let's face it, you always have to put Bama number one because <laughs> it's Bama, you know, until because here's the thing. The reason, because I've heard people be like, well, why aren't the reigning national champions number one? The reason why Bama gets to be number one every year, even if they don't win the national championship, is because they've won so many. If you can't, it, it, like, it, it, if you beat them, then you can move to that spot. Right. Uh, until you do it, they're always going to be number one. It's because, yeah. again, they don't create players. They create it, machines. Yes, it's the churning of, like, you never, like, when was the last time we were like, man, this Alabama team really looks down from last year? Because I can't remember. No. Ever since they started their run, yeah, no, however, I, 10, since 10 like plus 2010. years ago. 2010. Yeah. I've, I don't remember going like, wow, this Bama team looks a lot worse than last year. It's no, like, I'm, no. Because here's the thing. I, you know, I... I think all sports people will have to admit that that we have hopes like when we see that they're loose. Because there was like one time, I can't remember what season it was, Bama lost consistently. And then they went on to win the national championship. It was like, oh, well. (laughs) It looked looked like it might be. It looked like it might be rough. And then it was like, oh, dang it. But I just, the thing with Bama, and I think, and probably Georgia fans, which they probably won't. But if they ever hear this, like, man, they're really talking about Bama more than us here. I think with Bama, I think what sets them apart is because, and I've seen this, Nick Saban is one of those coaches you can literally, right, 
make a mistake. Like, you can fumble, but you'll get the ball back, and then you score, and he'll still be like, why did you fumble that ball? Like, he wants yeah. perfection on that. That's why he's cussed out players, more so, you know, coordinators and coaches because the players are kids, but because he he demands perfection. And I think when you play cuz I'm I'm just saying man when you're when you're practicing in that Alabama summer heat, well, you know, you, you know what I mean when I say summer, when you're practicing in that Alabama heat and because I I'll never forget this shows me the type of team that Bama creates. Derrick Henry, they were they would tell stories about how yeah, you know, we would go through like 3-hour practices in that Alabama sun and then he'd be in the weight room doing squats of like 700 and I'm like yep that shows me the type of team that they have because it, it's for Bama it's not just a presentation because what, what I wanted to bring up and th this does make sense and correlate in that you see these college teams who get these endorsements from like Under Armour Nike Adidas Jordan whatever and you see with the uniforms that they get, right? Where, the, you know, the Oregon or Michigan where things kind of fancy and it's coordinated. We even have that here. Oregon Whatever. looks like duck eggs on their shoulder yeah, pads. Yeah, exactly. It's awful. That's why they don't win. <laughs> but uh, but with Bama, it's the same. They don't they don't get anything. It's not about – because they want to give that presentation. We're an old-school smash-mouth winning football team, and that's what, they, that's what they do. And now Saban's cultivated, like – it, now the expectation, the like the the cultivation, the, like you know, a lot of teams go in going like, oh man, hope we can make the top four this year, and well, it'll be a really good season if we maybe make it into the top. Yeah. Of the conference. No, Bama's like national championship game and probably win, or it is a failed season. Like yes. that's the expectation that they've built around there, and so just like and Saban expects players to buy into that. Oh yeah. And so that's just the kind of people you get there now are people who are like. It, they're some of the best recruits in the country. Oh, yeah. They buy into national championship or bust. Yeah. And it just cycles through. And all the people that are underneath them that are waiting to play, if you are waiting to play at Alabama, you are getting raised in that system, and those people buy into it too. And now it's just this well-oiled machine, probably until Saban leaves, and then even probably a couple years after that, depending on who takes over. Like, I think when Saban leaves, that's when they'll struggle. Because... I think, but I think even like uh, well, all yeah, the players the, underneath like them, saying, yeah. the culture is there. But the reason I say that is because Saban has created this. Like you said, Saban. I don't think there will ever be another one of him. That's why I'm saying that because if it was that easy, any coach would be like, okay, national championship or bust. But it's not that easy to be like that, right? And we see with Saban, that's just who he is. And it's funny when you see him and you're like, is this the same guy who was a Dolphins coach and the Seahawks and they flunked out and whatever in 04 and all that stuff? He goes to college and dominates. And I think it's it's like what you said in the sense of Bama has made a culture. Because let's face it, okay, and I'm not trying to be on here and I'm not trying to knock the institution of the University of Alabama. But let's be honest, Brian, you and me here, football is all that Bama has you know but beyond they do okay in basketball, basketball and baseball, beyond but, being okay yeah. in basketball it's, but no team really shines in basketball in the sec unless it's like tennessee kentucky it's, it's like the cowboy it's the same thing in dallas where yes. the cowboys are way of mine and the mavericks and this are like you know kind of there and when the rangers are good they're like oh yeah sure yeah but, 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 but it's but when it's cowboys. Cow, it, when it's football season like 
the Mavericks are yeah, the, the like, sec- yeah. are secondary. The oh, stars yeah. are way down here. Exactly. Oh, and then yeah. they kind of start to rise up when football season is over. over. Yeah. It's the same thing for Alabama. When foot when it's football time, it is full on Bama football. And then after that, it's like, oh yeah, we started basketball in like November, right? Right. Well, exactly. But see, that's the thing that that that's the interesting thing. Like I said, I'm not trying to knock University of Alabama, but I think people go to that school for the the, the football game experience oh, sure. because it's the University of Alabama. Let's let's be real with ourselves here. But that's as far as I'm gonna go. But anyway, I'm just saying that culture that's created is something that I just don't think you can replicate. If if like you said, if it's not already ingrained in you for like 10 plus years i just don't see another team because Dabo sweeney tried but then if we saw once players started leaving clemson ended up back where clemson really started yeah it's hard to be another nick saban that's why i don't think there will be another one the closest person who i think would get there is honestly kirby smart because again look at georgia in the sense with alabama there is no yeah, we got this Nike. Like everybody's got deals with somebody, but I'm just saying we've got this Nike or Under Armour jersey deal, and we got these cool. They don't care about that. They're like, okay, we want to win you know, that other stuff. Because and the reason why I think it matters, folks, when you talk about uniforms in that sense, is it's because presentation is a part of a football team. It's a part of any sport, to be honest. Sure. And when you see these teams like Oregon or Utah or Ohio State or Michigan, who or o- Oklahoma State or Baylor who have these new designs. You're like, oh, that looks cool. And Because we all know you, you play with the jersey settings on Madden and whatever else. And you get this look, and it's like, oh, cool, but can they win, though? But when you see these teams like Bama jerseys, like, okay, we've been dressing like this. These are, have been our uniforms since, like, 20-whatever, and we're not changing it. You can kind of get a sense, oh, they care about football. And then it just carries over. Yep. All that to say, congratulations, Georgia, but Big Daddy Bama is still yeah, coming back for you next yeah. year. They better and, enjoy it while they can. Yeah, and then Bryce Young is going to, I don't know if he's, have we had a repeat? We've never had a repeat Heisman, right? No. It's Boy, all. That, I mean, if there is ever a, a guy that's in a unique position to do that, back-to-back Heismans, and then he's off to the NFL to be a top three pick, depending on what teams are there. Yeah. Then he'll be like every other Bama quarterback and phase out. But uh, Mac Jones has had a decent year for the Patriots. Yeah, okay, besides, but obviously besides Mac Jones, I don't count him yet because he's a rookie. And you can like, and I'm not saying like that negates a good year because he got to the playoffs. Which, if we're being honest, that's better than any other for Bama rookie, quarterback has yeah, done. For a rookie year and it's good. Yeah. Well, I'm talking like just Bama quarterbacks in general because you have to look at the Greg Muckleroys and 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 all the people who were before well, that. Joe Namath was from Alabama, sir, and Bart Starr. It's just they haven't had anybody recently. <laughs> how dare how dare I forget people who played in the 60s? I'm just saying they were there. Just like maybe not for the last like 20 years. No. You're, for, you're right for until like the last like, 20 until years. Until like yeah. Mac Jones. I mean, two is not bad, but he I, needs a lot. The Dolphins have so many issues. Yeah, he, he needs a lot of work. Well, nice job, Georgia. Congratulations. You did it. But uh, you better... Uh, Keep working because Bama's gonna be <laughs> yeah yeah Bama's gonna be back for revenge. Be like LeBron year. James, practice all year round. <laughs> oh my God, we gotta talk about the Cowboys. Don't go anywhere because we have to talk. Yeah, we do about the miserable Cowboys. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the main event. Ryan Baldwin, Mason Shepard, still here. Unfortunately, still talking talk sports. About Dallas. Yes, and it is that time in the program. You knew it was going to have to happen at some point. We we're going to have to talk about the Cowboys and how they completely collapsed against the 49ers. And it was a game where I honestly, I don't, I didn't even know where to start pointing fingers because everybody sucked for the most part. I, uh, I will tell you, I will point fingers at Cowboys management. It's going to trickle down. I point fingers at Cowboys management and then I point them at the players for poor execution. I point my fingers at management because 14 penalties because we we had seen this from the beginning of the year to the end and it's just one of those things beginning of the season to the end Dallas is not disciplined nope they they're just not instead of and if you watch hard knocks folks you know what I'm talking about instead of Mike McCarthy doing mojo drills where he was looking for flair and and people doing what they're supposed to do they should have been just doing snap count drills like okay we're going to sit here and we're going to practice a snap count and if the offensive line jumps or flinches or if the defense encroaches or comes off sides, we're just going to be repeating this over and over. They should have had a practice for that because that's ridiculous. And then with the holding, th that's something in and of itself that they should have practiced, but they didn't because Mike McCarthy, let's face it, and I'll admit this, when I heard we were getting Mike McCarthy, okay, he's got a name and he's got a ring. Now we see that Rodgers was the one who got him mm -hmm. that because Rodgers in that defense. He is a very feckless human being because a very feckless coach because Dallas in my opinion they started off strong but see it happened when I, when we had that, that when we had that discussion about Dak in the boot and the Minnesota and the Denver when that happened it screwed everything up in my opinion because we were riding high man like we had lost one but we we were doing well 6 and 1 and then we had won again with Cooper but then it came down because Dallas, first of all, didn't do what I said as far as, like, move in silence. Don't tell people that, you know, okay, Dak is playing against Denver. They did. And then not only that, how about, for one, you you let Dak practice. Because my dad told me this, and I had heard about this uh, before he told me, where, yeah, they still didn't let Dak practice. And I was like, they, they sent him out there with – chemistry that he had not had with his receivers in a while. And I think when he went out there is when Gallup wasn't back yet, but he was about to be. But the receivers had no chemistry with Dak past that point. And what that tells me, if you have no chemistry with your quarterback, with him not being able to play for one week and him not being able to practice for two, then that's a problem. And it goes back to practice, which is something they clearly don't do well enough because – what you see, and I mentioned this last night, what you see when you saw other hard knocks, and even though there was a hard knocks curse where the teams that were on it didn't really amount to anything, you saw them being serious. Like, you had your entertaining moments, because that's what the show is for, but you saw them being completely serious in their practice. I mean, man, Jarvis Landry cussed out the Browns receivers for being like, look, we're not promoting a losing culture here in Cleveland. We're not being soft anymore. If y'all want to be soft, just leave. But when you watch Dallas's, and I'm telling you, Ryan, I just saw this lackadaisical, low-intensity environment where 
The coaches weren't inspiring in any speech they gave. Mike McCarthy was vapid and monotone and trying to fire his guys up. It was it was so bad that Skip and Shannon even pointed out and noticed it. Yeah. And you have your 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 defensive coaches and stuff like that. They're just they're cracking jokes. It's like they want to be friends with the players and not be coaches. It's what it seems like. And and Mike McCarthy is turning to a Santa Claus looking Jason Garrett because Cowboys come off of a drive where they do nothing, and he he's just he's doing this, and this is the problem. It's bad enough that you have management that's like that, but you got players who are like that. You've got players who are undisciplined. I can't tell you how many times Dallas fans like us have seen, man, this guy got his money and he hasn't done anything since. It was amazing to see that Demarcus Lawrence was alive and could actually play football because when he got his money after that first money that first year he did nothing. And what I'm saying is now we're you know we can we're going to roast management throughout this segment, folks. But when we get to the players and the execution, listen, one of my biggest problems with Dak Prescott, and I love Dak. I love everything about him. Well, not everything because that contradicts what I'm saying. But one of my biggest problems with Dak Prescott and something he still hasn't learned, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to insult Dak here. I see Bryce Young do this better than he does. Dak is still very, there's two things. He's very indecisive. In case Dak Prescott hasn't noticed, he's got legs and mobility. He can use that. And it's one of those things where it's like, he's like, okay, should I should I throw? Should I run? Uh, 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 okay, then I just got sacked. Or uh, should I throw? Should I run? Uh, uh, okay, I just lost yards because I had to get away or throw the ball in the dirt. Instead of being like, okay, I'm going to run and I got to commit. He doesn't commit to the run when he could. There have been so many plays, not just in that game, but over the years, where if Dak Prescott would have just ran, we would have gotten positive yards, even if it would have just been three or four. It's better than none or a sack that takes you 15 yards back, or a penalty, and which I'll get to the O-line in a minute. And then when you ha- the other thing that Dak does that really annoys me more than anything else, even the not committing to the run when he should be able to, is when he locks in on a target. And I'm talking about Schultz is open right here. He's open on a post route, and he sees Amari Cooper, and he's like, Okay, Cooper's the design receiver. I'm going to get it to Cooper. I'm going to force it to Cooper if I have to. And he's running an out route. And I'm like, yo, yo, Schultz, is, he's he's been good. He was good. The, this was his best year. He's like, okay, Schultz is running a post. I know it's in the middle of the field, but he's wide open. No, but I got to get it to Cooper because he's right there and he's the design receiver. And I got to – Dak has a problem, and it's led to a lot of his interceptions, whether they're tipped or the guy gets under it. He focuses on one receiver so much he doesn't read. that he doesn't read the yep. he does not read the field well at all because he's like okay this is the guy, but Dak I'm over it. nope this is the guy, and then when you have an O line that's that bad let me explain to you how bad the O line was when we first started we got six and one, you know how many rushing yards Dallas was averaging at least two hundred on the ground mm-hmm. at least Pollard was the workhorse still is and Zeke was playing well could have fooled me Pollard only got. Four touches in that playoff game, which is another management coach issue. Because as because this is the problem, and I started noticing that too. I was like, Pollard is getting less and less touches, and I don't know why that is. But see, now I know why, and it's because at the very top, the truth is, and this sounds stupid. And yes, folks, as you know, I'm a wrestling fan, and this sounds more like a wrestling business thing than a football thing, but it's the truth. 
Jerry Jones is so invested in the business aspect of having the star who he still considers Ezekiel Elliott to be of the team have the yards, have the carries, have those moments. Why else would you explain that Tony Pollard doesn't get what he's really deserved because he really helped that offense out a lot and kept the defense honest. And I'm glad that you brought up Jerry Jones and him being invested in the business side because I don't know if you've heard this. I try from, not to. Uh, Jerry Jones from this past Friday, the 21st, on his the radio show at the fan. I'm going to play you this clip. Uh-huh. And... I'm not going to lie to you. After hearing this, I almost started looking for another team to follow next year besides <laughs> the Cowboys. Just just listen to what Jerry says. Uh, this is in response to um, he some the host asked him a question about um, the fans' concerns about the sun being in Cedric Wilson's eyes on that third and one and about putting curtains up and making that a non-factor. Here's what Jerry Jones said in response to that. I wish to hell all I had to worry about was a ball hitting a screen or a little sun getting in there. Uh, conditions and elements have been a part of football since that was spelled the first time. No, I'm, I'm not. Uh, that's the that's about ten thousand on my list of things to worry about. The fact that a the fact that that sun being in Cedric Wilson's eyes, which, by the way, cost you three points in a playoff game. If yeah. he catches that, you are at least in field goal position. And I'm sorry, uh, how much did you lose by again? Six? Going for your field goal over a touchdown there at the end, maybe a big difference or maybe play, you know, changes the difference. Either way, it cost you three points in a playoff game. And the fact that that is number 10,000 on your list below everything else means that you are not invested in winning. And it shows that for the past 26 years, because there's been only one constant on the Cowboys in 26 years, yep. and that's Jerry freaking Jones, it, 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 it starts at the top. And he's, not, he's invested in the business, yeah. and he's a great owner, but he is not invested in winning. No. And that made me go, why would I support a team where the owner is not invested in winning? Why am I going to do that to myself next year? Yeah. When we're got, we're already $21 million over the cap, 23 free agents because they signed uh, Dak to a freaking ridiculous amount of money for an average performance at best. He's, That's he, their fault. Should have paid him sooner. He earned $75 million this year. Should have paid him sooner. 40 in salary, 35 in signing bonus. For that performance. Should have paid him sooner. I, That's their fault. Or just, like, were we really... Were we really that much closer with Dak to winning a Super Bowl than where we are right now? Because, I don't know if you heard this from Troy Aikman, too, but Troy said that it was just really well. The fact that we got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, how does that make our season any different than the Jags or the Lions? The only difference is we practiced a week longer. So like, and if you think that paying Dak that much money to get you one extra week of practice was worth it, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. And if he had held out, fine, right? Because I'm not convinced that Dak is gonna get you to the Super Bowl without a lot of talent and help around him. 
But you just paid him and Zeke so much money, you don't have money to throw around to get the talent. Yeah, well, you know, if they had, if they had only taken the fans' advice, and I'm about to go off, folks, because I'm sick of this old man. Um, For one, uh, Troy, Troy Aikman has something out for Dak. I don't know what it is, but he just seems like you could hear it in his commentary. Um, the reason, The problem I have with Jerry Jones is the fact that Jerry Jones is... You know, when he's talking about 10,000 things that he's worried about before that, they all have to do with his name. It's Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones. And then at the bottom of that list, it's like, oh, Cowboys. Everything else is about Jerry. You can tell when he had a third episode of Hard Knocks be about himself. Um, Jerry Jones is an, a great owner in the terms of he brought the Cowboys prominence in terms of business. Yeah. But Jerry Jones is selfish, arrogant, egotistical, sure. and he could care less about football because if he did why would he fire somebody like as a matter of fact i'm glad you said what you said about nick saban because you know who was like nick saban for the cowboys jimmy johnson because jimmy johnson told jerry straight up i'm not going to be your puppet i'm not going to clap my hands when the team does something stupid we're going to practice like we're football players and not male cheerleaders and we're going to do things my way on the field Jerry didn't like that. He's like, fine, I'm going to fire you. And Jimmy never was like, okay, okay, I'll submit. I- I'll be a puppet. He's like, okay, fine, fire me. I don't care Yeah, because I'm not going to be a puppet for you. No. And what happened? At- but see, here's the problem. When Ryan, well, not Ryan Switzer, when Switzer came in, I was thinking of his kid, when it's, when Switzer comes Barry in, Switzer. Barry Switzer, when Barry Switzer comes in and wins the Super Bowl, Jerry automatically like, see, we didn't need Jimmy. No, you did need Jimmy. Because that Jimmy, was still Jimmy's team that, at that, that point. That, that's, yeah. that's my point. You need Jimmy because Jimmy created a culture of winning. Winning. When you have a coach like that, it creates a culture. Look at Pittsburgh. Who was before Mike Tomlin? Bill Cower. What did Bill Cower do? Won a Super Bowl. What did Tomlin do, end up doing? Winning a Super Bowl. Coaches with character and coaches with guts. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Coaches with balls win but when you have some people like wade phillips jason garrett and now as we can see mike mccarthy who have no nuts and don't have the ability to tell jerry this is my team in terms of what we do on the field reflects all of us especially me it's not even that for me um like it if the coaches showed showed more just like intestinal fortitude but here's the thing for me right these players at the end of the day are getting paid millions of dollars to play football well yes if you're a coach you're you you have one of two jobs and if you can do both all the better to you but you have one of two jobs you need to either be a strong leader of men yeah or a strong um, schemer and game manager. Because if you're if you're weak in game management, but you can get your players ready to play and they come out and they put up 14 points early because they came out high and came out ready to play, okay, you can kind of, you know, I, I would suffer through Mike McCarthy's little, you know, okay, well, you missed a timeout there. That was a terrible decision to leave the punt team on there and not have a backup plan after your fake punt worked. And, yeah. Because that looked like they... Didn't actually expect that to work. No, they that didn't. looked like they're like, oh man, we actually got that. Oh, we day. actually oh, got wow. that. Okay. Wow, that's well now great. what? <laughs> what are we gonna do? Delay of game? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, that'll work. Or you are if you're not a leader of men. No, 
you need to be a shrewd game manager and personnel guy like Belichick is, and schemer like Belichick is. Yes. I wouldn't say, be- like, Belichick, he's not as much of a leader of men because, I mean, he can get him up, but he's not like, um, like, he... Tom I know, Brady. I know what you mean. Tom Brady he's was the, the leader in the locker that, room. I know what you mean. He's yeah. not that rally yeah. type of guy. That that's that's, that's a Tomlin yeah. thing. That's, well, and that's because like Tom Brady on the Patriots, he was the guy that didn't take any nonsense. Like yes. he was the guy that's like, "We're here to play. Let's go." And you see that like on the sidelines, even in like with oh, the Bucks. Yeah. Tom Brady is like the guys. We're here to play. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's. I'm glad you brought that up. Because Martellus Bennett, one of my favorites, on and off the field, Martellus Bennett brought up a story. It was when they were getting blasted by the Falcons, only in in the second half, only in the first half, and then we know what happens after that. Greatest choke job in history, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he said they got back to the locker room at halftime, and he looked around, and then that was his like it was probably second year there, maybe maybe first. He's looking around. He said nobody was like hanging their heads. Nobody was like, oh man, what are we gonna do? Every he said Tom Brady stood up and was like, all right, guys. In a calm voice. He wasn't even mad. He was like, all right, guys. Second half, we're gonna go out there. We're gonna play football. That's all he said. Went back out there and we the rest is history. We know what happened after yeah. that. But that's what I'm saying, and I'm glad you brought that up. Dallas could have that in Dak as far as a leadership thing, but when you have Someone who is such a milksop as your coach. And even then, if you want to take it to the players, I've said this since day one. I don't see anybody motivated besides Dak or but, Cooper, maybe. But, but even it, still, it, Dak as the quarterback, like, if I'm paying you that much money, I expect you to be that leader. Yeah. Like, I don't, like it. If you don't want to get paid that much money, then fine. That you know, we'll take that away. But if you're getting paid that much money, I expect you to perform, and I expect you to be the person that teams that your team rallied behind. Mostly because that's just how the quarterback has evolved. Now that's the quarterback much, is yeah. just kind of looked at as the leader of the offense for sure. Yeah, but as also the team in general. Saw what Brady did with the Bucks. Yes, Brady with the Bucks. Um, Peyton Manning with the Colts. Peyton didn't take any crap either. Like, no. there's plenty of clips of him giving to the offensive line saying, play football. You let me worry about all the head games and stuff. Just yeah. play football. Like, these, these, that's why these guys were the best. And that's why they demanded so much respect throughout the league is because not only were they good, but they were the rallying point for their team. And yeah. I don't see the team rallying behind Dak. No. Or if they are, that's not enough because they come. How many times did they come out in the first half flat after that six and one start? Every game, pretty much. They did they except for maybe the Falcons, yeah, and the Eagles. Falcons game, we got hyped because we were like, okay, like the Dallas at the beginning of the year was back because they yeah. blasted them, and then yeah. this is the problem with but, Dallas. Besides management and 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 coaching and and all that, Dallas has just established and and it's something we talked about with Bama and you know Dallas unfortunately has established in my opinion and yes I'm going to say this in the DFW area Dallas has just established a very soft culture they're just it, yeah. it's, it's a very soft team because when San Fran beat us like that I said you know what the truth is we weren't meant to be here because we were, we're yeah. not good enough and we're not I don't care if we were 12 and 5 we weren't good enough we we were twelve and five because we got to beat up on a crappy division. 
We we I mean, New England got to do that too, but they won. Yeah, but New England lost to the Bills afterwards badly. Yeah, I know, but still, like we all know, the Bills didn't start like where they are now. New England beat up on beat up on that division, but they would win when it counted. Pittsburgh, because the Ravens weren't always the best. They were good, but they weren't always the best. Pittsburgh beat up on those teams, but they would win. Green Bay beat up on those teams, but they would win when it mattered. Dallas can beat up on the NFC least teams all they want. But when it's someone who actually has the propensity to actually do damage, they're they're flatter than four o'clock. Yeah, and it's 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 sad because there's so much talent. But I said this about the Cleveland Browns, and it it just goes back to management. When the Cleveland Browns were losers, and they kept getting number one pick after number one pick after number one pick after number one pick, and they were losers, I was like, you know, at some point. It's not the talent because you're getting a lot of very good people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's management. And sure enough, what happened when they actually stuck with a with a coach for a little bit, they get to the playoffs. You, you know, and it Dallas is just so convinced because of Jerry that the way they've been doing it is fine. They just need to make little tweaks here. No, Dallas needs fortitude. Because if there's one thing I can say. The Cowboys fan base is the best fan base, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of it. I don't know any fan base like ours, like after a loss, where we're like, They're you know what? the best or the most delusional, and it may go hand it, in hand. It goes hand in hand, because like, fan is short for fanatic. So, yeah, it, it goes hand in hand. But, like, we're the best because I don't know anybody else. Yeah, the Bills fans may have or whatever, the Packers, but I don't know anybody else who's like, okay, I'm not getting out of bed for a couple days because Dallas disappointed me so much. I'm going to cry my eyes out and drink, you know, more so you, not not me, um, <laughs> because Dallas disappointed me. You know, it, we've got a solid fan base. Not that matters because we see how the Chiefs are when they got their fans, but we just don't have good management at all, and and we don't have good a good coach at all. Nobody on that staff except the secondary coach is someone who has some get up and go. They they and when you talk about the players, listen. You can't tell me that with Ronald Leary, Doug Free, Travis Fredericks, um, Zach Martin, and Tyron Smith, that Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott would have not have gotten us to a Super Bowl by now because that offensive line was the best for the last five years. They were all together, but we had Romo, and that's kind of self-explanatory. But again, I'm just not convinced. Maybe Deke and Zach in there— Zeke and Dak in there, <laughs> you know, this, this, they're they're like basically the same person. They're Pretty much, of, yeah. They're, um, they're they're together at this point. Maybe in their rookie year, but again, I haven't seen that progression from Dak that would say like, oh yeah, okay, you know what? And I honestly, our receiving core now I think is better back with, than when our line was no, that good. No, no, you're right. Our so, receiving core right now is a lot, but I can't remember because Romo had like. I don't think Patrick Creighton was at the end of Roy last Williams. year. Roy Williams. His but, best. His best may have been Dez. Dez. That's when. That's when Dez was kind of there. And Dez. Dwayne um, Harris. Dwayne Harris and uh, Austin. Uh, oh, um, what Miles Austin? Miles Austin. Miles yeah. Austin. Yeah. That may have been the best. They're they're like three best. Yeah. But even still, for me, like Cooper Gallup and. Uh, CD are a better three than those three. Well, May, CD, uh, at least top to bottom. Top I think to bottom, Dez yeah. is the better number one. 
but I think top to bottom, like those three are better. CD's starting to play like Dez in the later part of his career, dropping these balls. And, and so, so then let's so that let's take a look at the even bigger issue, right? Because we've lambasted the Cowboys enough, I think, for this past performance. Fair enough. I mean, it'll never be enough because we'll no, always it will have, never be. Enough. We'll be dissecting more and more, you know, forever over this loss. Yeah. But if you look at the Cowboys next year, now before I get to that. I'm gonna say something. Let me let me see if you agree because this uh-huh. this could be a, a a hot sports opinion here. The Cowboys just had their best chance to win the Super Bowl for the past ten years and the next ten years and blew it. I 100. percent I think agree. when you look at the talent on paper that this team had, yes. and the seasons they were all having, yes, I think it was the definitely the best chance for the past ten years, except yes. for maybe when Dez totally caught the ball in Green Bay. Oh yeah. Um. Other than that, that this is probably the best in the past 10 years and will probably be the best for the next 10. Because here's the deal. If McCarthy's coming back, then you're looking at a whole other wasted season, in my opinion. I do not see how anything changes um, if he's going to be your head coach. Yeah. And especially if you're losing Dan Quinn and uh, Kellen Moore to, yeah. or, uh, to... Yeah, Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore to head coaching spots because they're both getting a lot of interviews. I mean, Kellen Moore didn't really impress me that all, that much, to be honest. Even uh, if Dan Quinn leaves and this Dan, defense no, regresses, no, Dan like, Quinn was was the, in my opinion, the MVP of Dallas was Dan Quinn for the coaching staff. Yeah, really, of the entire team, to be honest. No, Micah made a big oh, well, difference. Yeah, okay, yeah, I give you that. But what I'm saying is, with Dan Quinn, our defense shot from we're complete trash. It's we're kind of good. good. Yeah. And above average. Above average, yeah. And, and and that's the thing is that with with Dan leaving, Dallas might have to start at square one again. And I think here's the thing. The reason why I think Dallas blew it is because in our first game, we took the reigning defending Super Bowl champions who are now at home right now. We took them to the limit. We lost, but we took them there. You mean to tell me? We couldn't have done that with Green Bay. We could have. We couldn't have done that with San Fran. We could have. If the Cowboys that showed up to that game. That's the problem, what I'm, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. If if the, we had showed up yes. the way we showed up to play Brady, we could have done it. Peak Cowboys this season was a Super Bowl champion. Yes. Straight up. Without the problem was they couldn't consistently play at peak Cowboy. And when it came to big games, they showed repeatedly that they would not play at that level. Nope. So the follow-up issue to that is, as I mentioned earlier, the Cowboys are $21 million over the cap yep. going into next season. Yeah. With 23 players set to hit free agency, yep. including names like Michael Gallup, yep. Randy Gregory, who had a breakout season, yeah. uh, Dalton Schultz, Ugh. Cedric Wilson, oh, dang. Um, Keanu Neal, who played pretty well, uh, Kazee, who played pretty well as well. Eh. Jaron Curse played pretty well. Brian Anger, who was like a top five punter in the NFL for the past five years. I wish years. he could have been our kicker. Good God. And um, that's pretty. That's all the big ones looks like. But I mean, yeah. That's but, a, but those are look. <laughs> those are big names. You got to bring Curse back. You got to bring Neil back. Yeah. You have to bring. You have to bring Gallup back. Eh, I like or Wilson. Wilson. You got to pick like one of them. Wilson. I think Wilson's hands are better. The, the, I think the thing, the issue, the, I would say they're about equal. 
Um, I would say the bigger issue is I like Gallup better on the outside. Because, yeah. And then you get to move CD into the slot where I think he's better. Yeah. Um, but so Gallup is slightly better on the outside. He's more of a burner, but he's going to cost you more money. And you just like, because, like I said, because Jerry's contracts for the past five years have been awful and his money management has been awful. You may not have money to give Michael Gallup. He would have paid Dak sooner. It wouldn't have been as much money and we would not be where we are. But Jerry, because again, it, it, it's his ego. He didn't like Dak's agent because Dak's agent told Jerry straight. Again, Jerry Jones doesn't like people who tell him what they really think of him. Because Dak's agent at the time told Jerry, this contract is insulting. My client deserves more. Jerry didn't like it, so they didn't come to a deal. And even before then, Jerry showed no faith in Dak. He was like, well, you know, Tony, you know, he's getting better. You know, you know, I'm not going to say who has the spot yet. Making Dak constantly look over his shoulder his rookie year. And the truth about this is, whether people want to accept it or not, those names you just rattled off, you're, you can't get rid of Schultz. He's gotten so much yeah. better. He's your he, top. He's your number one tight end. So number one without a doubt. Bringing him back for sure. Almost like Jason Witten where he can't really run. Boy, is he good when he can hit that five yards and you can get a five-yard gain out of him. I didn't even mention Leighton Vander Esch because I just assumed and he was going they, to be— they, they, they can let him go. I mean, but he even—he had a pretty good year this year. Yeah, but, but the, his uh, injuries are just they, too much. They, that's my point. But, like, he, that's the thing. It's like, I didn't, I didn't even mention him because he's not even on the radar of players that you have to You can get rid of Vander Esch. You yeah. can get rid of Kazi. I think you got to bring back Gregory if you can. Oh, yes. Are you kidding? If they—no, you cannot lose him. Unless, especially when D-Law is injury-prone Unless— you're going to make Micah a full-time pass rusher, which no. I think they should. No. He's one of the best. He is actually, by the numbers, one of, if not the best pass rushers in the NFL. Yes, without a doubt. So if you make him a full-time pass rusher, then you can maybe not bring back Gregory. problem with that is I like Micah's versatility because you, don't, too, you but, don't need the defense. To, I mean, defense. You don't need the offense to know where he is on the field. I, I People tried to compare him to Lawrence Taylor. I don't see that. I see a Clay Matthews type. Because when Clay Matthews first started, he was everywhere. Mm -hmm. He was on the line. He was in the middle of the field. I'm not. He was neither of them were ever in the secondary. But when you had that tight end that would come across, they'd be on them. That's why I think they need to keep Micah versatile. They need Randy Gregory. They need him. They need because here's the thing, right? The truth is, your brilliant owner missed out on T.J. Watt. Because he wasn't the size that Jerry thought was good enough. Can you imagine Micah Parsons, T.J. Watt, Demarcus Lawrence, Neville Gallimore, and Randy Gregory? I can imagine a whole lot of things if if Jerry wasn't yeah, running you, the draft over the past ten years. But that's the thing, and that we the guy who tied Michael Strahan's sack record could have been a cowboy. But, you know, Jerry was like, nah, he's too small. Yeah, well, we'll look where that size got him, pal. He's about to win defensive MVP. I just, so, yeah, I mean. But, but, but that's the like, You had all this. All those guys you have to, well, not all of them. Most of those guys you have to bring back. Schultz, Wilson, Gregory. You, you're only going to be able to afford Wilson or Gallup. Oh, yeah. And I don't think you're not you can. Gonna get, you're not going to get I don't know if you can get Gallup. Just because somebody Gallup is going is to throw go, a big Gallup contract, is go somewhere yeah. else. So the only thing, oh, by the way, 
just while we're speaking about people we could have had. Um, the Dallas Cowboys back in 2017 took uh, Taco Charlton yeah, instead no, no, of TJ. Instead of TJ. Taco freaking Charlton who played like two games and had a tackle. Yep. In his three, three year career. Yep. They picked Taco Charlton instead of TJ Watt, Watt. Who is still on the board. Yeah. Who is still on the board. Yep. So you 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 have no money. Nope. You have a bunch of players that need money. You like if I am Jerry Jones, I am on my knees begging uh Dak and Zeke and Law J and uh J Law. That's the wrong Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence. <laughs> D Law, not J Law. No, not not J Law. I am begging them to restructure contracts, take signing bonus incentives instead of the salary, because otherwise you've got nothing. You've got that will never nothing. happen because that requires Jerry Jones to admit he's done yes. something wrong. And not to mention the fact that if you're going to run this same offensive line back out, good luck. Yeah, like uh, they have they have to go offensive line, line. In the first oh, round. Yeah. They get they got to they, they got to start over again. Yes, because I Tyrone Smith is going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, but he's done. Yeah, very. Much. He is well past his prime. Yes. Even in the games he played, he was not very. I mean, he was serviceable. But, I wouldn't even say serviceable. A lot of the penalties that we got were because true. of him. Connor Williams is not going to get re-signed. No, he shouldn't. He's not good. He he was atrocious. Very much so. Biotish was... Oh, good God. He better be glad he's a rookie. Because if he wasn't, that guy was horrible. Yeah. That... Lyle Collins was Lyle Collins. That hasn't changed. Yeah. And... um. Even Zach Terrence Martin. Steel, I mean, then. Zach Martin is the best person on that line, but he's well past his prime. He was still the main one who was serviceable, to be yeah, honest. But I mean, it, serviceable is a far cry from the Zach Look, Martin man, of five years yeah, ago. Yeah, well, well, I'm just saying, when Dallas is as bad as Dallas was, you got to give him something. Yeah. So basically, but he'll be a Hall of Famer too, so it doesn't yeah, matter. But so, so like three, three and a half. <laughs> I'll give, I'll give, uh, Mark, I'll give a uh, Tyron Smith a half. Three and a half out of your five starting linemen were not good. None. And it was displayed for everybody on uh, Saturday against the 49ers. Not this past Saturday, but Saturday before. It was displayed to everybody that your offensive line was not that good. No. You have to take offensive line in the first round. Without a doubt. Maybe even the second round. Oh, depending, yes. but like, and I was that's the other thing, too. To get a Good offensive lineman, you are going to have to spend money in free agency, yeah. which you don't have because you're already over the cap and you've got to bring back other people. Yeah, well, but see, it's because it's because they have to bring back other pe- other people. Dallas better not think about going. Oh yeah, we can get this corner or we can get this receiver. No, they don't need to think. No, nope. they need to stick with line picks. Offensive really line. throughout the draft because they they don't need anything else. I mean, you can pick up another tight end, but what good is that going to do you? I you can probably get a serviceable edge rusher or like defensive lineman or something or a safety in like third fourth round. So I'm not saying like I need, I need a lineman first second third fourth, but you gotta fit you gotta pick a lineman in the first round. Yeah, without and, a doubt. But see, the problem with Dallas is, I, and I've noticed this the last couple of years, they don't do anything in free agency. No, 
free agency just oh, all right. We're just not. We're just chilling. They don't do anything. This, this last season, I think, was like one of the biggest off seasons for him that yes. I can remember, and it worked out well. But again, you just don't have money. No, you don't. You don't. I don't know. I I literally don't know. Like, you are going to have to like bring in people from the practice squad. You're going to have to move money, beg yeah. people to like restructure contracts, contracts. and. I just don't know how they're going to be able to field a halfway decent I can, team. I can, I can tell you now, we're going to lose Randy Gregory. Knock on wood, but we're going to lose him. You think so? Well, you said he's had a, he had a very good year this year, except for those jumping off sides against San Fran. Um, he had a good year, and he's going to want money for that. They're not going to pay him. The, he might, because Jerry Jones was the one that gave him all the chances. He might give Jerry a hometown discount, maybe. But even still, like you, you still got to pay him something. You have like, to pay him if you if you say okay, hometown discount, but give him like half of what another team is going to give him. He'll probably go to that other team. Exactly. So it depends on what kind of person Randy Gregory is. I could see him maybe staying for a hometown discount because Jerry gave him all this time, gave him all these chances when he was down in the league and had been suspended multiple times. And oh, a lot God. of people thought he wasn't going to play. Yeah. Um. I just I don't know. I just don't see like and and even looking even looking past next year, pretty soon coming up, you're gonna have to pay Trayvon. Yeah, oh yeah. You're gonna have to pay Micah Parsons. Oh yeah. All these like like the more like good people that you're bringing up, you're gonna have to like it, Micah's gonna get a fat stack of money, assuming we can even afford it. Same with Trayvon. I, th I think what Dak will do, because he does seem like this type of guy, I think Dak will take a restructure his contract in the sense of maybe take a pay cut just so the team can get better. Because that's what Tom Brady did. And it's not like Tom Brady doesn't have 600 houses all over the planet. So, yeah. you know, it, it's not going to hurt Dak to take that. Brady had also like 20 years worth of good contracts before. No, no, that I know. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, Brady was more so willing to be like, okay, I can. I can sacrifice this. It's, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it is a nebulous time to kind of be a Cowboys fan. And I think we're oh, kind nebulous. Of, I like that word. Yep. I like it too. That's why I used it. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to get a little bit more vision of what the Cowboys will look like next year following the draft. Um, because I think by then we'll probably have more of an idea of what free agents are coming back. And if we know what free agents are coming back, we know what they're looking for in the draft. And also, based on what they pick in the draft, maybe a sign. Like, if they go get, God forbid, I've seen some people projecting, like Mel, uh, Mel Kuyper predicted he was they are going to go for a defensive end in the draft. Why? Why, why would that be a priority? It be, if you're thinking that you're not going to get Gregory back, then that's the only reason. But even then, why would you not fix your offensive line? Unless, they can, unless they've got an inside read on somebody that's a pretty good offensive lineman that they can get dirt cheap. <laughs> yeah, because good offensive linemen definitely go for dirt cheap, I, that, or, or like a hidden gym or something. I don't know. No, there's but, there's no hidden gym on that team. I just I'm and not they're sure. not going to get one for cheap. They're gonna. I I bet you a lot of these guys they're they're just gonna have to let go. Yeah, which I hate, but it's Dallas. They like disappointing people. Oh, okay, we're done. No more Cowboys for a while. Yeah. At, least, at least until the draft, and then we can discuss how badly they drafted. Or maybe we, you know, we like I like their past year's draft, so maybe. Yeah, uh, as long as Jerry's not in charge of it. Maybe they'll they'll continue to surprise Remember, us. folks, we almost had Johnny football. We, oh, God, that would have been an absolute nightmare. 
All right. So next, going from the team that lost to the teams that won and continued into this past week, that was probably the best weekend of football that I've ever seen. At least in recent memory. Yes. Top to bottom. So we're going to talk about that coming up next. Yeah. Don't go nowhere. Nowhere. Welcome back to the main event. Ryan Baldwin, Mason Shepard, still here, still talking sports, and yep. whoo, that was a weekend of football. Yep. And only one team out of our four picks for Super Bowls that we did way back in the first episode oh, of, yeah. of the main event are in. And, and unfortunately, that is it had to be his. My Bengals, <sighs> who had the opening game Saturday, took down the Titans, and many thanks to uh, Ryan Tannehill for throwing that absolute gift. Uh, it did get bobbled up in the air, so it wasn't entirely Tannehill's fault. But thanks to the Titans for the gift. <sighs> and then one play. Jamar, Joey B to Jamar Chase. One play after that to get him into field goal range. Got great chemistry, man. And then how about Ed, Evan Mc, uh, McPherson? He's been a... Isn't he a rookie? He's a rookie. He's, and he's a very good kicker He's so made far. four... Game, uh, game-winning kicks so far this season, including that. As a can rookie. we get him on our team, please? <laughs> Bro, not likely. Yeah, I know. Not likely. If we could get, just, I would take Justin Tucker at fifty over Greg Zerline. <laughs> just please. So the Bengals beat the number one Titans. Yep. Win their first road playoff game in franchise history. Yep. And we'll play in the AFC Championship, Championship, the Chiefs Bills. Who played last on Sunday? Your poor Bills. Was it, that was one of the craziest? <sighs> that was one of the craziest endings of a game that I've seen. Just in terms of like the back and forth of it, right? Because you're like, oh man, the Bills really need a touchdown here, and, then they and got sure it. enough, they got it. And it's like, well, wow, now the Chiefs really need something here, and then they got it, and, and the like, Bills, oh, and then it's like, okay, well now the Bills have now now, now the Bills given have, it away, they given, yeah, and then the Bills got it again. And then it's like, okay, well, now the Chiefs just need a field goal to get into overtime. And, and sure enough, they did that. And then we talked about this a little bit before, but God, I hate the OT rules for the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with you on that. It's a team game. Yeah. Even if one team scores first a touchdown, let the other team have the ball. Yeah. Like, your offense and your defense should both have to perform for you to win. Yeah. In my opinion. No, I agree with you on that. I think I think having it to where it's a sudden death run... Again, I think it was a less of a. This is how we're exposing, like how sports and business and entertainment they go hand in hand here. I think that was more of an NFL business decision rather than an actual sport consideration, because sudden death. Because that sounds a lot better. I think it's also at least when the NFL was like you know originally starting up like and you had as my dad would say we only had two games on on Sundays, you didn't have your NFL red zone you had two games like you couldn't have the games like kind of go back into each other so if you were consistently playing like a full overtime yeah it was an issue and even more so as like games kept getting sandwiched closer and closer together right yeah. like if you were delaying a game at noon because it was like 320 and Television, they were still in overtime yeah. 
then you're brushing up against the next games. Yeah. So I can kind of see it from there. But like in the playoffs, it, come on, guys. But even then, it's and, the playoffs. But even then, and then this is where I'll say this is where I'll, I'm not going to knock pro wrestling, but I'm just going to you know reference it here because it makes sense. It's not pro wrestling where it's like okay. We know this is not fake, but scripted. We know this is scripted, so you need to be off at a certain time so the other right. show can come on. This is a this is a sport, but well, pro wrestling is a sport. But this is another sport where the outcome is not predetermined. So if it goes long, it just goes long. You you can't cut it just because it's going to go into yeah. something else. And I think, but that may be what they're afraid of. I don't know because regardless of it being a non-predetermined sport, it's you know if you go over you, the station still gets paid. So it's just one of those things just, they just. I just hate that it comes down to a coin flip. Like yeah, you really, it really yeah, yeah it doesn't Chiefs, come down to the field. It just comes down to okay. The Chiefs got the ball first, took it down, scored a touchdown, game over. Yeah, that was kind of underwhelming, yeah. especially in a game like it, that where the and teams honestly, were trading. Yeah, honestly, that ruins to me the hype of the overtime, right? Yeah. Like, and it's not like when you compare it to like hockey. That's a little bit different because the overtime is like you you've been battling, and it's usually like two two or something. It's not you yeah, know, and the first person to score. It, it's not where it usually. It's first person to score, but both teams usually have like opportunities to go back and forth and stuff. Now, one team may outplay you in overtime yeah. and control the puck more, but you still usually have an opportunity at both ends. Well, plus that, well, plus with something like hockey, even though I'm not the biggest hockey aficionado, hockey it, it's not one where it's like okay, offense on the field. Yes, it's, it, it, it's, it's a, a continuation. It's constant. Yeah. So that's where sudden death yes. works. Basketball is not sudden death. No, because that would be dumb, right? <laughs> You win it. You win the opening tip. LeBron goes in for a dunk. Game over. Good yeah, job. That, okay. Yeah, that would be. That, that, that's a pickup basketball game, if anything. Baseball, it has you. You get yeah. a chance. Both teams get a ch at least one chance to bat. That's fair. Even soccer, like uh, for most major tournaments, you have extra time, and then you have penalty kicks if it's if the format yeah. doesn't end in regulation. Um, you have penalty kicks after the extra time. What about ping so, pong, right? <laughs> you ping pong I'm overtime. Pre uh, ping pong, I'm pretty sure if you're tied, uh, the international rules is like a win by two, I think. Or oh. it's either like that or like, yeah. So like it, in tennis and ping pong, I think it, it's a it's like a win by two. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah. But the NFL is the only one that's the just like. only one where you can win a coin toss and, and then if you in get the, the, ball game, and in the game, yeah. after one score, and it just it baffles me. And it's the only the NFL does is the only yeah, NFL NFL's that does the only one that does it. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the CFL rules are, but in terms of like American no football, the, the college college teams go back and forth. Yes, whether one team scores or not, and it it brings that uh, it really gives a feel of overtime of oh, it, it does, being yeah. a big deal as opposed to oh god, I hope my team wins the coin flip. Yeah, you know, I agree with you from especially like entertainment value and, and and the the feel of a game because i don't think a lot of people understand you know football's not just about you know it's gonna sound weird but football's not just about football it's it, the feel of the game and when it's like oh man these teams are trading and then when it's like oh it's it's sudden death and the chiefs won it hurt it, in my opinion it hurts you excuse me more because like you're saying the opposing team never had a chance. Yeah, if to I'm go a Bills fan, there. I'm so upset because I'm like, we played a fantastic game, and at the end of the day, yeah, you should, 
can you say your defense should have stopped them? Maybe. Yeah, but like, no, you can still You can say also that. say that, like, if you had gotten the ball, the Chiefs' defense may not have stopped you. So why do the Chiefs get to advance? Either way, Chiefs-Bengals, I think the Bengals are in trouble. Oh, uh, yeah. They gave up nine sacks to the Titans, which, uh, by the way, fun fact, because they posted this up, the last team to win a playoff game after being sacked eight-plus times was Donovan McNabb in the Eagles. Wow. Way back in like 2003, I think it was. Wow. Yeah. So that's a big deal. But the Chiefs offense is not, I mean, the, the Bengals game plan for the Titans was much easier than it was will be against the Chiefs. It oh, was yeah. stop Derrick Henry, make Tannehill throw the ball, and occasionally Tannehill's still going to beat you anyway, but not this time. No. But if the Chiefs front four can get pressure like, Bengals, like the Titans did, yeah. Bengals are going to be in trouble. Bengals, uh, Bengals uh, should just be like, we need to score, we need to score, we need to score. Because let's face it, Mahomes, he's not going to stay down forever. No. <laughs> I think I think if they go into it thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to slow down Patrick Mahomes, the entire – no. Yeah, the Bengals' defense isn't even that good. But that offense is so high-powered, it's just that line is very weak. Yes. You know, it's, it's weaker than a French fry in water. So <laughs> I, I think, you know – I I think I think you know if if you know they commit to this is going to have to be a shootout. Ironically, I think that's the Bengals' best chance. Yeah, I mean that's how they won it last time. Yeah, thirty six, thirty three, shootout against the Chiefs. But I just don't know if it's going to happen again. I'm doubling down on them though. I picked them. I got to double down on them. You let's know, go, Ryan, Bengals. You got, you got one foot in the grave. Uh, one let's foot go, out. Bengals. And then on the NFC side, first. Lo and behold, the good Lord has answered our prayers. No Aaron Rodgers, no nope. Tom Brady. Nope. 49ers beat the Packers 13-10 to in what was probably the least exciting of the games, just because yeah. it was, I mean, it, it, was, it was a typical game in Lambeau, though. It was cold, it was snowing. And slow. And slow, and the 49ers... Basically, you can say they kind of stole it. To be honest, they did. I mean, I think it, it. Well, in a game where it was pretty even overall, special teams made the difference. Yeah, as special teams do. I just, I, I don't. Do you think that hurts Aaron Rodgers' MVP chances? Do you think no, people are looking at that? You no, think he's still MVP? He's still gonna be. He's still. He'll just be there to get it. That, that's gonna be the only <laughs> difference. He'll, he'll just be there to get it. I, I was. Con- he, he did have some pretty good numbers. Twenty for twenty nine, two hundred twenty five yards. Didn't have a touchdown. But again, it's Lambeau. It's snowing. I don't really expect that. His overall season numbers are what's gonna get him there. To be honest, I think if Jonathan Taylor. And Indianapolis had advanced, then maybe they he could jump up. But but running back winning MVP is yeah. is it's like it's like you know just, linebacker yeah. winning Heisman. Trophy. I don't know if there's another person that's poised to take over it like Aaron Rodgers from Aaron Rodgers based on the season he had. No, which is unfortunate because I don't like Aaron Rodgers, but I have to respect no, I don't the fact either. that he had a heck of a game. Folks, we're just experiencing technical difficulties. Well, more like technical noises. Yeah, because no, those those lights are still blinking. Okay, good. Well, I don't know if it can be heard on the. I don't. No, because I'm looking at those. They they can't really be heard. 
Okay, well, we'll just cut this part out. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And then on the other side, Matthew Stafford proves that it was the Lions all along and well, not him. When he wins a super <laughs> when he wins a Super Bowl, you That's, can say that. Yes, he's got a ways to go. But he did um But an MC championship game. Yes, he he cleared a big hurdle. He beat Tom Brady. And by the way, Tom Brady was on the verge of probably the second best comeback of his career. Yeah. Second only to the twenty eight to three Falcons comeback. But with, just with, which that one was an unfortunate itself. So <laughs> which just he they couldn't quite eke it out, and the fact that he did it with like no Godwin, um, no Antonio Brown, and a defense that was kind of banged up was pretty impressive. But hey, I I am fine with not Brady, not Rogers in the oh, NFC I, I'm, Championship I'm totally game. fine with that. I am just fine with that. And that gives Rams 49ers on one side, Chiefs Bengals on the other side. You already know I'm doubling down on the Bengals for the AFC. Who's your AFC pick? I'm picking Cincinnati because Kansas City ruined my playoff bracket. All right, let's go Bengals. I want want Mahomes out. uh, Here's the other. Can you imagine Joey B two years ago winning the national championship? Ruining his leg in the first year in his rookie year and then winning a Super Bowl in his second year. I would explode. My mind would Honestly, I, I can tell you this. If Joe Burrow wins a Super Bowl this year, people will be calling him the new prodigy that will take over, over Brady's Mahomes. place over Patrick. Watch because oh yeah. Because for one, Patrick played Brady and lost. So that really hurt that credibility. He, Patrick will end up like Peyton Manning. He's really good, but Brady beats him every time. He already got one Super Bowl, though. So he's like, he got one Super Bowl. He's got one. You and know, a it, fat it, contract. It's so still it. Patrick, but yeah. Joey B's coming for that spot. Joey B will, um, will be on the cover of the next Madden. And you watch what I tell Here's the crazy thing is or that John the Bengals, like, have the pieces already. They just, like, and they can keep building. Yeah, they can just keep building, and they've got a good foundation. Yeah. So even if they don't win the, I mean, just the fact that they got this far. Honestly, is in huge. the draft, if they get bounced, get defensive players. Maybe an they offensive should, lineman. Yeah, yeah, but you know, get some defensive players, offensive linemen. Bengals will be set because they've got yep. a great wide receiver and a great quarterback. And their receiving core, like T. Higgins, is not a slouch. T.J. Uzuma is not a slouch either. Yep. So they've got the they've weapons. got the pieces. Yeah, and then they I'll... just finally have someone to <laughs> throw it to him correctly. And then on <laughs> the Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton, <laughs> on the NFC side. I think it's the question of who collapses first. Are we waiting for Jimmy Rams. G or are we waiting for Stafford to collapse Jimmy first? Jimmy G will collapse first. Rams take this one. I think, I think I Rams think are on too. a roll because the Rams offensively, Matt Stafford, I never thought I'd be saying that, but Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., who finally appeared under that disco ball, ladies and gentlemen. He, he doesn't live under a rock. He's too flashy. got to be a disco ball. Um, you know... They're they're killing it, and then we got my boy on the other side, number ninety nine, Aaron Donald, and the Rams defense. They, they always keep a solid defense. Von Miller on the Von other side. Von Miller in Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, still there, you know. Yeah. So yeah. So it's the ultimate. Jimmy test. G will flop. It's the ultimate test of did they because the Ram. It's the gamble. Is it paying off? Right? Because the Rams went full in. They signed. Jalen Ramsey to a big money. They went and got Matt Stafford, gave up a lot for him to the Lions for it. They went and got Did Von really, Miller. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, they got the, they traded like I think they gave away a, 
uh, two first round picks or a first and a second. Yeah, Detroit needed that. Yes. But, like, you know, this is the, they don't have anything for the future. Nope. They are in now. The now. So can they. But I think but I think that was the right move. They, they've got it looks their coach. like it's paying off. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. I think with the Rams, they didn't need to be a team that built for the future. They've got a young coach. That's yes. their future. They need they needed guys with experience. Yes, so I they, think I think that's a good balance. A coach who's still very, very, he, he's not even in his mid-30s yet, I don't think. So he may be like 31, 32, 33. Yeah. But. Um, but young coach, but guys like Stafford and Donald and Miller and Ramsey and Cup and uh, what's their um tight ends Higby? You know, they've got guys who've got experience, and with an experienced QB with with a cannon like that, they needed that. They don't need to be worried about what, building you mean, the OBJ. <laughs> he threw the ball on a dime on a trick play a couple of times but already. That, let's be honest. I think that's how OBJ lives his his professional life. It's just trick plays and trick catches. Pretty much. He's done well since he's been there. I can't I can't take that away from him, but I will never go put him in my top five. By the way, this is without Von Jefferson, too. Mm-hmm. That's that that was a big name that got dropped out for the Rams halfway through, and they're still putting together a season like this. But yes, it's the ultimate. It's the gamble of we need to win a Super Bowl now because we don't have anything to build for in the years next few years. Now. So, so far it looks like it's working. And we again, we have to avenge that boring loss to the Patriots. I've got to, I've got to go with the Rams over the Niners. I think, I think uh, Garoppolo is uh, that there's less of a safety net, right? Like if if uh, Stafford has a subpar game. The pieces around him and the defense is good enough to kind of lift it, him up a little bit. Yeah, and also Malcolm Brown's been doing a good job at running back. Oh, yeah. It's it's just Jimmy G has a little bit less of a safety net if the team yeah. doesn't. Because if they shut down Debo yeah. Samuel, then he'll have to go to Kittle, and then they'll keep him on lock and key. Yeah. Because to be honest, that's that's really what the Packers did. They kept Kittle under lock and key, and he didn't really get anything. Again, Lambo, Snowy, I get it, but still, Kittle didn't even have that many catches against Dallas, which I know is again being no, like being the nicest it, guy in prison. Yeah, but but it, they they ran all over him, and Debo Samuel yeah, ran that, all over. Yeah, exactly. But I I think the key is if 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 L.A. can stop the run, the 49ers are done. Because that's their main thing is getting the de- keeping the defense honest with their run. If they can if they can do that, they're done. Simple as that. Yeah, and all those games will be played this upcoming weekend on Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sunday. So that means Monday we'll have some good content because we can talk about the conference championship games. Man, Monday it's a good day to talk about sports and see how it went. Yeah, Monday is a good day. You have all the stuff in the weekend, all the big stuff. Except, you know, Monday Night Football. But thankfully, that's not on anymore. Yeah. And now, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about something that uh, we haven't really uh, touched on because it's been football season. But that's the NBA because that is halfway done, a little over, and in full swing. So don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about the NBA and the Little Mavericks. Welcome back to the main events. Ryan Baldwin, Mason Shepard. Woo. As always, here for all the sports. And so we're going to go to 
basketball because we talked about basically zero basketball. <laughs> yes, let's let's do uh, all the basketball songs from the '90s and early 2000s. Basketball Jones, I got a basketball Jones. <laughs> I got a basketball Jones, oh baby. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm playing the Space Jam soundtrack right oh, after this. Yes. I love the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> we had that on CD in my mom's minivan when I was a kid. <laughs> you start... Oh, my God. The well, Basketball Jones one got me. Well, since we're talking about Space Jam, let's segue into <laughs> Space Jam 2 and segue into how bad the Lakers are at, um, in the West this year. I think they could use a Bugs Bunny on that team. What the, do you think? It's better than Westbrook. Dude, I, everybody with half a brain knew that there are much better choices for the Lakers than Russell Westbrook. Yeah. But he had a name. But he had a name, and LeBron really wanted him. Yep. And so here you are with the Lakers sitting a game under five hundred. Yep. And LeBron, to be fair, having the best year of any, what, 39-year-old player of ever? Yeah. But it's not enough. No. Well, that's the thing. And by the way, folks, I would love to see, you know— LeBron James age graphics throughout the games like we get with Tom Brady. Every time Brady shows his face, it's like, oh, my God, that guy's 44. Who cares? Um, you know, with with the Lakers, we knew from the jump this is going to be a styles clash. This is going to be anarchy on the court because let's be honest here. Let's be hospitable. Um, Russell Westbrook is a one-trick pony. This guy is a scorer, triple-double machine when he has the ability to take over a team. When it is a team with multiple other people who need the ball, he doesn't shine so well. No, he leads the NBA in turnovers, and it's not even close. No, not at all. He Look, the truth is, Russell Westbrook's not a winner. He's not someone who can lead a team. We've seen that. And not to mention... This guy cares about stats. He cares about numbers, which is ironic because they look horrible this season for him. Um, bad time to have a name like Westbrook in basketball. Um, I think, and you know, I know a lot of people are going to blame LeBron because he wanted him there, but I, I think the problem with Westbrook being there is simply because LeBron, you know, because we all know that's his team, obviously. He creates a culture where everybody gets time to shine. You know, he creates a culture where everybody needs to show what they can do so the team can be better. When you have someone who's ball dominant like Westbrook and you have someone who's like, man, I need my numbers. I need this. I need that. I need to be able to get this and that. It just shows it just disrupted the chemistry of the team. Yeah. This is a team that's won a, an, an NBA championship 2020. You know, I know a lot of people like to discount that because that was the pandemic era, but uh, it was a championship game. It was played, in the, and he won. Deal with it, Skip. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that the Lakers, this is just not their year. And, you know, it's early, but, it, again, it's one of those things where it's like— it's Not that early. We're no, over halfway through. That's what I'm through. saying. We're halfway through, but, you know, you got to see what the latter half is looking like. But, you know, no, I just— mm. yeah. Well, let's run through the top of the West now. Phoenix Suns ran basically the same team back, and surprise, surprise, 36-9, three Good games ahead them. of I the remember, Warriors. I remember when Phoenix used to be a joke. Yeah, so Chris Paul and Devin Booker have not slowed down in the slightest. Good. And are showing that they're still top of the West. 
right behind them, Golden State. Oh, boy. Um, but they're kind of cooling down because Clay Thompson is in and out with the The knee. underutilized Splash Brother. And Draymond Green is out with a back injury. And Steph has finally cooled off from his insane shooting spree. They've got some other good players, too, but it's it. I don't know if if, if uh, Steph is not putting up 30 points a game. I'm not sure that they're going to be beating everybody. Well, that's a corner that they back themselves into. You know, mm -hmm. if Steph doesn't do this, then we can't, you know, function. So, no. Um, number three, the Memphis Grizzlies, who Ja Morant balling out. And I'm glad that he's got some supporting cast around him because he's been really good the past few years. Yeah. Um, they're 32-17. I mean, good for Memphis. Again, another team we were growing up, Memphis used to be a joke. Yep. Same with the Utah Jazz. I mean, yeah. I know there was that period when John Stockton was on there and they were pretty John good. Stockton, like I mean, and they also had like Carlos yeah. Boozer and, and, yeah. and Deron Williams. But but then, yeah, for most of our lives, they've been pretty bad. Been so pretty, to see them They've come been through. pretty bad. But, but now they're pretty good. Donovan Mitchell and uh, Rudy Gobert, the uh, COVID man, um, <laughs> as he will forever be known now, is... COVID a, man? The COVID man. Dude, I still can't believe he went and like touched every single microphone like right before this whole thing got shut down like literally right before and then he tested positive for COVID after touching like every mic at the press conference that uh jeez um and then fifth the Dallas Mavericks okay. who are having a aggressively okay season that's good aggressively okay aggressively okay um it's they ran the same team back and it's basically kind of what we expected. Luca is shooting okay. Yeah. He's starting to get into form. He's only shooting 43% from the field. Um, he's shooting less than 30% from beyond the arc, though. That's kind of an issue. Um, but KP is playing pretty well when he's on the court, which yeah. he's played 31 out of 47 games. So it's... That's more than we all thought he would. Yeah. But the big surprise and the, and the one I like stepping up, Jalen Brunson has had himself a year. That yeah, he went that, from sixth man last year, um, to he took Tim Hardaway's starting spot. Yeah, that was not easy to do. Hardaway was was very good, you know, at that shooting guard spot. And <laughs> I think, um, you know, for Brunson, I think the ability to step up because that's what Dallas really needed. They needed someone. It, it couldn't be the Lucas show. No, and Jalen, most importantly, is able to take the ball out of Lucas' hands and let Luca do off ball things as yep. well. Because for a lot of the time, especially the past few years, it was Luca's going to dribble the ball down the court when he's on <laughs> Luka's there. Luca's going to do Luca's going to do the point guard stuff when he's on the court. And when Jalen's on there now, you can have Jalen like Luca's still going to be the primary ball handler. Oh yeah, most of the time. But you can have Jalen kind of orchestrate things and have Luca get off ball and make moves that way. Um, and then yeah, Tim Hardaway. I always liked Tim Hardaway coming off the bench more than a starter. I thought yeah. he flourished really well in the bubble when he was coming off as a six man. Um, I think that's more as preferred. I, I, I prefer him as a six man yeah. as well. Uh, Reggie Bullock has been pretty good. Josh Green has been pretty good. And Dwight Powell is his usual Dwight Powell self and yeah. will play solid defense. Um, but again, I just, you got I look at this team going like, are, it's the same team that dropped to the Clippers in the first round last night and we didn't really do anything. Are we going to be able to beat? the Suns or the Warriors in a seven-game series? Maybe. 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 But I'm not, like, I'm not saying this is the year yet until we no. kind of get to the playoffs and see what they do. <laughs> Number six, Denver Nuggets. 
reigning MVP, Jokic trying to carry that team on his back again, not having as much success this year. Um, but, you know, sixth place, you're still in a playoff spot, still in the hunt. Yeah, so. no, exactly. Again, another um, team who used to be a joke. Yeah. Uh, and then seven. So now we're starting to hit play-in territory. Seven is the Timberwolves, and Carl Anthony Towns finally has some help. And it's starting to, the, the Timberwolves are starting to get some some work done, and they haven't been good since KG <laughs> left. <laughs> so we're seeing a trend where all the teams that were pretty garbage in, we during, our growing, yeah, during our childhood have, yeah, have, have flip flopped. And now the at the bottom, at the bottom, you have the Rockets, the Thunder, and the Spurs. Oh, how the mighty have wow, fallen. That's, but I think that's the best, that's one of the best things about basketball is that a team that can suck for so long can end up being the champion. Like, Yep. Did we ever think that the the Bucks were gonna be like champions? Nope. No. Not me. But when they became champions, it was like the league is shifting. That's why it's it's incredible that the Suns are like number one. And like when when the seventy sixers, I mean they're about to go back to their old ways, but when they were turning their ship around, it was like, Who is this? This used to be the worst team besides the Pistons. Yep. And I think that's one of the best things about basketball is that a team that's on top never stays on top. They they all fall and evolve and change and eventually. Yeah, I'm, to be honest, it happened with Golden State faster than I thought it would. Uh, then of course eighth the Lakers. We talked about that. Yep. Uh, ninth Clippers. They're down Kawhi and Paul George can't carry water in a bucket. Um, so yeah, until Kawhi comes back, they're relegated to the play-in tournament. Maybe they'll get in when. I don't know when Kawhi is due back, honestly. So, um, Portland Trailblazers, number 10 in the last spot of the play-in tournament. And they just uh, have not been able to string it together after. I mean, they, they were always kind of that fringe team, uh-huh. right? Um, but it just doesn't seem like uh, Lillard and McCollum can carry him very far this year. It was always like... It was always McCullum playing out of his mind and Lillard hitting like a crazy shot at the end, right? That was like the this the Yeah, you know, I in Portland definitely went backwards, but I think, you know, I think Portland was like kind of like the NFL's Buffalo Bills in the sense of they can put a good team together, but will they ever go all the way? Who knows? We'll see. But you can't rule them out. That's the important no. thing. Uh, Pelicans minus Zion Williamson or Zion Williams. I said that's that they're going to be like that until Zion comes back. If he would put the pizza down, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, he's ballooned. Uh, the Kings apparently are just doomed to be bad forever. Um, San Antonio is the one team that has not had a glow up. That's true. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. As it, we've seen. History says they're due. <laughs> uh, the Spurs, the, the dynasty has fallen apart. Yeah. Well, so has the Celtics. Yeah. Even though the Celtics are not they're bad. Not awful, but yeah, they're, they're not right. they're not the bottom like uh the Spurs are. Then the Thunder and then yeah, the Rockets are just oof. <laughs> So the West has Houston, a very y'all have had a problem. The West has a very clear top end right now set to, to go um squared way. Um whereas on the East, things are a bit muddled together. The top 4 are all within one game of each other in the standings. Wow. So number 1 Miami Heat um, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler's been playing good, and the rest of the supporting crew, Bam Adebayo, uh, Tyler Hero, all those guys are pretty good. <laughs> those those names, you know, just Bam Adebayo, 
I mean, Tyler Hero. The, the, they are not like individual superstars, but it's kind of like the Mavericks from 2011, right? Where they oh, weren't. Yeah. It wasn't individual superstars except for like Butler, but they're all very good supporting players and they all work really well together. Yeah, I agree. So. And, I, and I think that's what helped Dallas. Uh, the Mavericks was like, you know, you don't have this like overwhelming star besides like Dirk, but you have these guys that if you don't take seriously can beat you. Yeah. And then Brooklyn Nets are number two. Uh, Brooklyn is, you know, it's Brooklyn. It's got Kevin D. It's got uh, James Harden and half the time Kyrie, depending on where they're playing, because he's not vaccinated, and that's just a whole mess of of Kyrie stuff. Kyrie is Kyrie. He is the NBA's Kanye West. But they're a half game behind, and with Kyrie, I'm sure they can beat anybody. They've got a very stacked uh, lineup. The super team that they tried to put together is coming together, so. You know? Yeah, well, it, it, we all knew it would take time, but yeah. I mean, eh, I'm a jury's still out. Uh, Chicago Bulls number three, twenty eight and wow, seventeen. They're, they're they're trying to put they're trying to put some more rings in that arena. Yeah, they're going to be down Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso six to eight weeks both, so I think they might have a bit of a slide. Um, but they've had a very good start to the season so far. Oh, and, that's okay. Lonzo won't be there. Just put his father in the game. Zach Levine, uh, Zach Levine is going to be back though, so that that might maybe that'll counteract it a little bit. We'll you see. Know, who remembers when Zach Levine used to? We all just thought, okay, he's just going to be another kid who's good at dunking, and it's like, oh, this kid's he actually can, he can play. He can play. Yeah. Uh, fourth, the Milwaukee Bucks, and again, when I say fourth, remember that's only one game behind out of first. Yeah. It's thirty and seventeen, twenty nine, seventeen, twenty eight, seventeen, thirty and nineteen. They're all right there. So fourth place in the East right now is still extremely good. Yeah, um, no, that, that's not a problem. No, at all. they just Giannis just and company just picked up right where they left off. Yep. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers are now finishing their their rebuild phase, and now they're fifth in the uh, East. Every team goes through a rebuild. You know, they, yep. they're thankful K Love stayed. They've got a lot of good young players, and Kevin Love is kind of the experience, the OG so. veteran man. Yep. Uh, the 76ers, despite Embiid's, Joel Embiid's persistence that he can carry the team. Um, I mean, they're still, they're even at six, they're only two and a half games behind first. So, yeah, it's not like they're bad. They're 27 and 19. It's just without Simmons, they're missing that kind of additional piece. Well, according to Simmons, he, he, they, they can continue to miss him. You don't want to be there. No. And then the Charlotte Hornets out of nowhere, seventh, 26 and 21. Still Charlotte a Hornets out of nowhere. L- Hey, I'm just saying, Lamelo looks like he's much better than Lonzo. I'm just saying we don't need to give Levar an excuse to be right. Oh, he doesn't need. He, yeah, he's, he he's always need right it. in his he's mind. He's always he doesn't right. He's, he's a legend in uh, his own mind. And then the Celtics, who are perpetually just going to be okay. who knows, okay, even with the talent on paper, for whatever reason, they are unable to string it together. They're eighth, twenty-four and twenty-four. The Toronto Raptors, twenty-two and twenty-two, haven't been the same since uh, Kawhi left. Nope. They uh, need a Drake song to motivate him. Washington Wizards, man, I hope Bradley Beal gets out of there at some point because he could do so yeah, much work he needs somewhere. To. I, wasn't he in consideration with the Lakers before they were like, yeah, we're going with Westbrook? Uh, I think it was Buddy Heald. Yeah, maybe. But, man, I mean, Bradley Beal, I'm sure, would have been. I think Beal kind of suffers from the same problem as Westbrook and that he needs the ball, though, whereas Heald is more of like a facilitator. Yeah, well, at least with. At least with uh, Bradley Beal, he can shoot a lot better. True, and then Knicks. They're they're the they're Knicks. the Knicks. They're they're Knicks. The, let's move on. They're the Knicks. They're going to be like this forever. Yeah. Uh, the Hawks uh, unable to 
to kind of piece it together right now. Trey Young, not nearly as good of a year as last wah, year. Wah. Uh, the Pacers kind of going through a rebuild at the moment. The Pistons full on rebuild and the Magic uh, have not been good since Dwight Howard left. And even then, that was suspect. They got to a finals. They got to a finals. But I'm just saying it was suspect. True. So that's the NBA, current state of the NBA. Um, we will keep checking in on this as well. We got the trade deadline coming up on February 10th. So that's not far away. So we'll kind of see what the competitors' moves are going to make, if there's going to be any moves made. Exactly. Not, I don't think there's going to be any blockbusters. I think all the teams that are kind of at the top have their set um, rotation. But we'll see maybe some teams at the bottom will try and offload um, a good name and try and get some uh, extra picks for their current rebuild and see how that goes. Uh, and that'll do it for the NBA. Last segment, something we usually only do on our extended uh, spot on Spotify. We're going to go over our Mount Rushmore segment. So don't go anywhere. It's quite fun. Ryan Baldwin, Mason Shepard back here once again at the main event. Not the sideshow, not the undercard. Just reminding y'all where we're at. It's, of course, the main event. You know it. We started this segment last, last semester. semester. Um, brilliant think... idea by Mason. Um, we did, it's the Mount Rushmore series, and basically we, you know, Mount Rushmore has all the presidents. We pick either a sport or a position, and we put, if we had to put the four names and faces on our Mount Rushmore of said you know, the biggest names for whatever reason we choose mm-hmm. on our Mount Rushmore sports slash pos- sports slash positions, it would be these people. And so last semester we did the NBA, we did quarterbacks, we did running backs, backs and we did wide, wide receivers, receivers. Yeah, yeah. all of which are available on our Spotify, the main event with Mason Shepard and Ryan Baldwin on the extended cuts. Boom. And so we are going to go with linebackers. linebackers. Switch it up. Get some defense. The nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah. The big boys. The mean, meanest people on the well, field. Well, knowing Ryan going back in the day, the big boys didn't weigh nothing but maybe <laughs> 220 or 180. <laughs> so I'm already going to say we're going to have two of the same. More so than let me let me just get those two out of the way first because there's yeah, yeah. no way, zero chance, that you can do a Mount Rushmore of, of linebackers, linebackers without including Lawrence Taylor and Ray, Ray Lewis. Lewis. Yep. Those two guys were like everybody, anybody that wanted to play linebacker that grew up watching those guys wanted to be them. LT Lawrence Taylor was one of the only defensive MVPs of all time. He was one of the only defensive players to win MVP. That's how good he was. Yep. And he won rookie of the year in his defensive player. uh, He won defensive player of the year and rookie of the year in the same year. Yep. He got after you, was one of the best rushers of all time, Yep, and hit like a freight train. Yeah, you know, LT was one of those guys where it was like he would look at you and you would know, I'm about to get hit. Yeah, you're you like, know, I'm in it, trouble. My uncle, I'm in danger. Right. <laughs> you know, my uncle told me a funny story. So it was Lawrence Taylor. They were playing the Rams with Giants and the Rams. And Eric Dickerson was a rookie at the time. And they told him, "Hey, you're gonna run block. You're gonna—I mean, you're gonna pass block." <laughs> uh-uh. Lawrence Taylor. No, 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 no not me. And uh, Eric Dickerson was like, "Okay, I'll do it," reluctantly. And so they—they they run the play, 
and LT just comes boom and he he does what he can but he gets tossed to the side and I think the pass gets completed but not for much and so LT looks at him when they're going back to their respective sides and says don't get in my way again <laughs> and yeah, be like and then they 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 go <laughs> they go back to the huddle and they're like okay we're gonna run the same play again Eric you know what to do and Eric said I'm not absolutely, doing it absolutely not <laughs> I refuse. I'll get. I'll put a nice pillow out for you, quarterback, <laughs> for you to get tackled into. Yeah, and I'll pick you back up when you get sacked. But I, I no, I'm not blocking. But that was the, that was the thing. Lawrence Taylor was such a freak in the sense of maybe not in the statistical thing where we talk about freak like physique, but man, that guy scared people on the field. You did not want to get hit by him. And it, it was that like single-minded intensity too, right? Oh yeah. Like he when he strapped on. He was a whole different beast than when he was off the field, and when he, he it kind of created a just, character. Uh, to yeah. be honest, it, it it created I hate that word in the sense of sports. It created a persona because after watching a Lawrence Taylor game, would you really go up to him in a bar and and, and test this guy? I ain't I ain't asking for his autograph. No, no, that, that was the thing, and that's what we're transitioning here. That's what Ray Lewis. Yep, he came in in the two thousands, and he was uh, he. He was my ver- version. He's my favorite player of all time. He was my version of Lawrence Taylor. Yes. Because nobody wanted to step to Ray Lewis on the field or off of it. Nobody wanted it. Yeah. And half the hits on like an NFL's hardest hits compilation on YouTube is Ray, is Ray Lewis. <laughs> like this man. That's the scary thing about it. No regard for human life or his own safety. And nope. he was going to let you know that he was there. And if you were a receiver running over the middle. Let me tell you, it is a good thing that Ray Lewis is not playing in this time period. Oh no, because he would throw flags and be left, yeah. right, and center. Yeah, it Ray was a- hit hard. I, I'm, whenever I, whenever I think of Ray Lewis, I never forget that hit he put on Kellen Winslow <laughs> on the Jets. I was like, mm, that's why I love Ray. Or that I think he he the hit he had against Reggie Bush. Reggie out Bush, yeah. Oh gosh. So yeah, those you just didn't want to get hit by Ray. Lewis. And and he was a leader too. That was the yes, other thing. He was. he was a true leader. Every player on that defense, they looked up to him. They looked up to him and they rallied behind him because he, they knew he was going to play. He was going to ball out 110%. Oh yeah. Every single game. Cause that's what he would always give. But I'm interested, Ryan, to see who else you have. I think I have an idea. Okay. So mm-hmm. as we've discussed before on my segments, but just to reiterate for anybody that hasn't listened on Spotify, when I choose my Mount Rushmores, I pick players that change the game. Like they like change the completely the nature of the game or the position and that's what I think makes them great. So, Bill George. Well, I have not heard that ever. Yes. 6 foot 2, 237. Who was drafted in the second round in 1951, played for the Chicago Bears. Oh lord. He was the First, like, true middle linebacker and the first backer to, like, drop back into coverage. So he's also kind of basically the creator of the 4-3. So he, you know, his stats weren't, like, I'm not saying his stats weren't the greatest. He had some good awards, but he wasn't, like, you know, he's not going to be up in the record books anywhere. But the 4-3 setup is such a big deal and game changer and having linebackers drop back into coverage was such a big deal at the time. It's like, the, you know, same thing for defenses yeah. as it was the first time a quarterback threw a pass. And you're like, they can do that? <laughs> Wait a minute. We could be doing that all this time? So, Bill George, like I said, stats, 
I'm not saying he was the you know the best linebacker to ever play. He is in the Hall of Fame, um, but the first true middle linebacker and the inventor of the four three completely changed defenses. Yeah. And the other one, man, I there's so many names for this one that I could have gone with. I you know Mike Singletary, Jack Lambert. Even some of the newer ones like Vaughn Miller and and uh uh help me from the Cowboys. I should know this. Um, oh, Demarcus Ware. Marcus. Well, it, yeah, it was it was kind of he's like, like outline. Out, I almost picked him because he was like outside linebacker, but he also was like outside linebacker, pass rusher pass type rusher. deal. Yeah, it's fair. But who did you end up going with? I went with the last player. To be a true Iron Man, Chuck Bednarik, way back in forty nine sixty two, played for Philadelphia, and he was the last player to play like every down. He played linebacker and center. Wow, I'm talking about high school level yes. ball in, in that sense. And he was position. one of the uh, he was he's in the Hall of Fame, two time NFL champion, ten time All Pro, eight time Pro Bowler. Wow, and he's on the NFL one hundred all time team. I would hope so. So <laughs> I would hope so. Yes, and he's also he's got the uh, name the Chuck Bednarik Award is awarded to the best player and uh, defensive player in college football. football. That makes so sense. He was one of the last like he he was one of the last Iron Man and kind of created that persona of the linebacker that's just tough and gritty and like just, uh, kind of guy you know. So LT Ray Lewis, Lewis. Bill George. And Chuck Bednarik. Bednarik. Okay. Well, the name I'm surprised you didn't have on that list that I'm putting on mine is Michael Strahan. Another one of those guys where it's like kind of like Demarcus Ware. Yeah. Where I was like, man, is he a defensive end? Pass but they, they put him in but, both. You yeah. know, Strahan. Let me just put it to you like this: when you when you've tied his sack record, you know you've made it, because Strahan, just like just like the gap in his teeth, he was jarring <laughs> on the field. You know what I mean? He was he he. You know, Michael Strahan. Well, to do that to Mike. Well, but hey, Mike. Mike has a bust and a Super Bowl ring. He could care less what I say. But I, I, I think in all due, in all seriousness and respect to Strahan, what a monster on the field. But the difference. The, another reason I've got him on this list. You were talking about tough and greedy. Michael Strahan is one of the nicest people you could meet ever. True. But like, he, it's you don't see that from defensive players, and I think um, Michael Strahan was one of those guys who was like, you don't have to play this game angry, just play it focused. And and one of the best all time. Now, my last one, and it's kind of tough because I grew up with a lot of uh, great linebackers. Patrick Willis, Clay Matthews. Brian Urlacher. Brian Urlacher. Takeo Spikes, who also right? had one of the best names, too. Well, he was one of the scariest, too. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> but... I don't think you're going to see this one coming. My final Mount Rushmore is James Harrison, Pittsburgh okay. Steelers. Yeah. Watching James Harrison, and I know I'm going to tell my dad this later on tonight. He's like, what? But watching James Harrison, you talk about fear. And we talked about that with Ray Lewis and Lawrence Taylor. Would you talk about fear? This is someone. He was an enigma. He was an enigma on the field as well as even off of it, to be honest with you. But when he was on the field, he played hard. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a pro Bowl. I think he's already in the Hall of Fame. If, if, if not, he will be. But James Harrison was a 
beast on that field. If you, if you were just worried about Troy Palomalu, then you were about to get just blindsided. Yeah. And I just think when you when you look at someone who created that feeling of being an enigma as well as having talent and being one of the best defensive players ever, just just that brooding look. Like his forehead, it, it, oh my God, it, this guy looked like he would murder you. Like, if put it like this, if James Harrison was walking through a graveyard, the tombstones would flip over <laughs> because this guy was just so just so dominant and, and endearing and so yeah, I, I gotta go L T Ray Lewis, um, Michael Strahan and, and James Harrison is my wild card on that one. Really the only reason I didn't do Strahan was because like I already had Lawrence Taylor's like the pass rusher type. Yeah, one, yeah. But it's like and there's so like we like I said, there's so many linebackers like Brian Urlacher. Urlacher was incredible. Um, Clay Matthews was so versatile. Terrell Suggs. Suggs was fantastic. Um, did and a great you, job taking over for Ray. If you go back a little bit earlier, Junior Seau had yes, a great Junior career. Um, Derek Thomas, Mike Singletary, Jack Lambert, all these guys like Jack Lambert. Bruce Smith. Yes, all these guys were are probably worthy of it. Even Dick Butkus. Was, yes, Dick Butkus. Um, <laughs> funny name, but everybody move along. Uh, <laughs> it's it's more the Butkus part than anything. So all these guys were so good. So, it's hard so, to put re- up real there. quick. So now we gotta get out real quick. Would you say that the linebacker, because we've come up with so many names, really was the most popular position at one time, and then quarterback kind of transitioned into. I, I shouldn't uh, say most popular because quarterback was always going to be more popular. But would you say it's just like because, like you just said, there are just so many names of guys that are just like you couldn't really go Mount Rushmore without offending some people. Being like, why is this guy not on it? I think you could say the same thing about quarterbacks, yeah, and, and running backs. Yeah, it's just that's true. More so, I think than like the thing about the linebacker is because they're often asked, especially you know once they started doing more pass rushing and yeah. coverage. They were so more versatile that you could tell the di- like the difference between cornerback one, two, and three is not always like that noticeable. No, but the difference between linebacker one and two and three, like on some of these guys, is really noticeable. That's fair. So like the those are the guys, and they're also like a cornerback if they're doing their job right, may get their name called zero times a game, right? Like if you are a lockdown corner you may get your name called once, twice a game. Whereas yeah. if you're some of these linebackers and you are making sacks, coverage, and tackles in the open field, you are getting your name called like 20, 30 times a game. Wow. So I think it's, you know, one of those things where there's more chances for them to, you know. Be able to get their notoriety. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. It's the same thing with the quarterback. Like the yeah. quarterback's always going to get their name called. Running back is always going to get their name called. Well, linebackers, well, middle especially. That's yeah. the quarterback of the defense. Yeah, so. that's true too. A lot of that times they were a the, lot of the guys we've named were the defensive were, play callers. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're middle, but so. you know. So what are we doing? We we going to go tight ends and offense? Or are we going to keep it defense for a little bit? Can and, we, are there enough good tight ends to make a Mount Rushmore out of it? Trust me, there are. And you and you've already shown you'll go back into the bowels oh, I'll of do history. My, I'll do my research. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's, are we going to go corners? Let's go corners. There's been some good corners. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of good corners. Should we do defensive backs as a whole? Safeties and corners? I think so, yeah. I think that'll make it easier. Only because if we do safeties by itself, that's going to come up a little short. Yeah. So let's do safeties and corners, the okay, defensive DBs. backs. 
All right. We'll do the defensive backs next week. I've already got mine already. <laughs> I bet I bet we already say enjoy Palomalu. Dang it, Rob. Yeah, I told you, man. We got we have ESPN. <laughs> Well, all right, so t- re- tune in next week to find out about Troy Palomalu and the other three. And the other three. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for listening to the main event. Big old thanks to KNTU, Dan Bala, Mark Lambert, for letting us use the green studio deep in the heart of Denton, Texas, for our broadcast. And we hope to have y'all listen in next week. Until then, have a wonderful evening. <laughs>